millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the Hossadathon the podcast that has a whale of a time with the films of one of the world's greatest animation directors, Mamoru Hosoda. I'm Michael Leader. And I'm Steph Watts, and we've seen the lot of them. And I'm Jake Cunningham, and I'm swimming alongside. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Mamoru Hosoda. Hello, Michael. Hello, Jake. So we've been in the digital world for the past five, six weeks talking about Mamoru Hosoda's films. But you guys actually entered the real world and met Hosoda in real life and spoke to him. How was that? Yes, we had to reveal our true forms. (laughs) (laughs) We've been living our lives with these wonderful, expressive versions of what Michael and I actually look like. We've forgotten. And then we arrived at a train station. We couldn't actually see each other because we had no idea what, what our real personalities actually would appear as in the real world. But eventually, yes, we did find each other near a train station, uh, which is perhaps fitting for Hosoda that we meet each other at a train station. Uh, And then in a strange multi-level hotel room that had a spiral staircase and a double bed on the bottom floor and then a lounge in the middle and then something else at the top, (laughs) there he was, uh, Mamoru Hosoda, a lovely man. It was an absolute treat. We love doing this where we've talked in depth about the films of a filmmaker or a studio and then we get to bother them at length (laughs) about all of our crazy theories and observations that we've accrued over watching all the films but this was such a treat though and um it's a bit we should say up top the audio is a bit iffy because this was our first in-person record in gosh two years Mm. since before the pandemic and it was a, not the best acoustics in a split-level uh, spiral staircase hotel room. But um, it was also four four microphones set up across three different systems as well, just so we could have me, you, Hosoda, and the translator as well. Uh, and so there was a lot of literally a lot of cross wires happening. You'd think there'd be a coffee table, but I think that we were on like footstools and all sorts, <laughs> balancing microphones and recorders. It was, you know, very fittingly for Hosta, perhaps technology playing such a key role in the communication and miscommunication <laughs> between all of us. But it's a very, very lovely conversation, and we got to ask so many questions that explore not just Bell, but things that we've been wanting to know about throughout this series as well uh just what is it about whales <laughs> uh and also a, a, a lovely little beetles chat as well uh and well you know we, we maybe got onto the films too <laughs> but we should really get on with the interview as with 
previous episodes where we've spoken with Japanese contributors who have had interpreters. We're doing this sort of BBC News style where we hear a little bit of Japanese and fade that out to bring in the interpreter's um, English language translation. But if you're a hardcore listener and want to hear the original Japanese and hear Hosoda's words in his own language, you can fast forward. How far, Jake? If you go forward about 25 minutes, then you'll be able to hear the full unedited version of Hosoda's answers. But without further ado, let's listen to me and Jake speaking with Mamoru Hosoda. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's so lovely to be talking with you on the release of Bell. And I know that is your latest film, but I'd love to go right back to the start and ask you what inspired you to become an animator. I'd been obsessed with animation and making animation since I was about 12 years old. Uh, I saw um, Ginga Tetsudo 3-9 and Lupin the Third, uh, Castle of Cagliostro, and thought that I would like to make something like that one day. And what was it when you said you wanted to make something like that one, that one day? What was it that inspired you as a child? Was it the, the action, the adventure, the characters, the storytelling? What was it? Um, I think the fact that they were both films was part of it. It was different to watching anime on TV, actually going to the cinema. It was more fun. Um, and I really enjoyed that experience. I think uh, I could recognize the, the talent of the directors, even as a child. Uh, I didn't know who they were at the time, but later on I discovered that it was Rinchiro and, and, and Miyazaki. And even then, I kind of knew that they were going to go on to, to make m many more uh, animated films. So I suppose for many years you worked within the, the studio system, working on television anime or mm -hmm. short specials. It sounds there that working in feature animation was always inevitable for you, is that the case? Mm, so this, yeah. I'd always wanted to make a film. Um, often when you work in anime, people ask, oh, did you want to... Did you want to draw manga or did you want to work in TV? But I'd never even considered that. It was always about film for me, partly because of those two animations that I already mentioned, which were movies, and partly because I was just always interested in film, including live action film, even back when I was at school. Just the way that a director could create a unique world uh, in their film. And I'd always wanted to make something that people would watch in a cinema. Um, even when I was working for the studio, making TV animation, each episode for me was was a film. And so we're talking to you just as Bell is being released in UK cinemas and it's part of a big international rollout of the film. 
How much now do you view yourselves as a filmmaker for the global community compared to the Japanese community? I started making my own films 15 years ago.、Uh, and when I made The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, I really had, I, I didn't imagine that it would be released in any country other than Japan. But then I was invited in 2006 to Pusan Film Festival. And at the time, I. It, It astonished me that there were people outside of Japan who would want to, to watch this film.、Um, but then I got invited to other film festivals in other countries, and I started to think that I couldn't just make these films for people in Japan and for Japanese fans, but that if there was a possibility that there were people on the other side of the world that wanted to watch these films, that I should bear them in mind、uh, as well.、Uh, and so being invited to film festivals was a very Uh, significant、um, thing because it made me realize that I, that I should be making films that, that as many people as possible could enjoy. Yes, certainly my experience seeing Wolf Children here at the London Film Festival, seeing、mm-hmm. Mirai at Cannes, which felt like a, a, a major breakthrough.、Mm-hmm. I suppose we also like, we're also very interested in these moments in filmmakers' careers where they go independent, where they strike out for themselves. Particularly the setting up of Studio Chizu, which is a decade ago now. And I wondered what were the reasons for going independent? What were your ideals? And do you think that you've succeeded on those now, 10 years on? There are two main reasons where, why、uh, we set up Studio Chizu. The first is that since leaving university, I worked for Toei Animation for 14 years. Then I left there to go to Madhouse to make、uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and Summer Wars. After making Summer Wars, Madhouse、uh, got into some trouble, almost、uh, was in danger of, of collapsing. And so I felt I needed to set up my own company in order to be able to carry on making films. That was the first reason. The second reason was that I. I didn't want to just make films for anime lovers or make anime like animes.、Um, I wanted to explore the possibilities that animation has and to broaden、uh, what we think of、uh, as animation and to, to make something that people who have never seen anime or who weren't interested in anime or who thought anime was silly. Uh, something for those people. And so we wanted to set up our own company to have the freedom to be able to, to bring that new concept to my work. So it's been, as you said, 15 years since The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. How do you see your films creatively and philosophically evolving in that period? How different are you as a filmmaker and storyteller now compared to how you were then? So, this is a What I aim to do with each film is to use the technology of animation to make something new.、Um, the history of live action films sees numerous directors making tens and hundreds of films each year,、uh, and the, they cover a whole range of different lives and different perspectives. 
but there have been much fewer animation uh, animated films over the years and so I really feel like it, we haven't fully tested its limits yet I think that this technology um, or this this technique can be used to show sides of life that we've never seen on film before uh, and that's what I try to do each time is to show to do something that we haven't been able to do in the past uh, I tried to do that with wolf children with the film of a, a woman bringing up two wolf children which I'd never seen before and with each new film I like to take on a new challenge that started with the girl who leapt through time and and that's what uh, prompted me to make Belle as well that makes me think of something that we've we've spoken about as we watch all of your films. You do bring in collaborators who will infuse the film, whether that is a costume designer who works in live action or in fashion to mm. design costumes for wolf children, or all the way to Belle with Cartoon Saloon or um, Disney character designers as well. I think you've described it before as ensemble filmmaking. I'm not sure what the Japanese term would be for that, but is that important to you, and why is it important to you to it's because I don't want to be trapped in the animation box. I want to broaden the possibilities of animation. I've worked with um, live action stylists and art directors for years. And, and this time, as you say, I worked with Jin Kim from Disney and with Cartoon Saloon because I don't want to be restricted to just working with Japanese people. I want to look around the world to find the people that I need to make my films uh, and to broaden the possibilities of filmmaking. Um, I don't want to think small. I want to show people the possibilities of animation and to show people what, what it can do. If you look at Disney, um, they've got a wealth of global talent, but they're still restricted to making a Disney film, um, which is essentially an American film. Um, I'm independent, and so I have freedom to try different things, and I think that's our one of our strengths. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm not. I'm not suggesting that we're a rival to Disney. I'm just saying we're we're trying to do our own thing. Something that I'm really fascinated by between Bell and in particular Summer Wars is your thoughts on the internet. It's so important to all of us, but it's barely ever represented on screen. In Summer Wars, you imagine the internet as a kind of utopian space that gets spoiled. But in Bell, it's perhaps a, a harsher space where there are a lot more maybe negative comments and people are more reactionary. What are your thoughts about the internet and how it's changed from, I suppose, the infancy of social media around Summer Wars to where it is now. Well, even before Summer Wars, uh, I made uh, Digimon Adventure Our War Game in 2000, and that was based on the internet. Um, so I've been making films about the internet for 20 years now. Even though the internet's only been around for 25 years or so, I don't know, I can't think of any other directors who've been making films about the internet for 20 years. Back then, the internet was full of hope. It was a, a tool that young people were going to use to change the world. But 20 years on, I think reality and the online world have come much closer together. Um, all these problems that we see online, fake news, um, slander, political, a loss of political neutrality, 
um, they've all, all the real world problems somehow come into relief on the internet. And does that, does that mean that that hope that we had 20 years ago has gone? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think that it's still a place of hope for young people and they're going to have to live with, with um, the internet. Um, and so I want them to still have hope and believe in their own potential. Um, and I wanted to make a film that would encourage them. So it's a, a positive, it is a positive film. I find it very fascinating. So we first saw Belle in October 2021 at the London Film Festival mm. and merely weeks after Facebook announced the metaverse, they're going to go meta, mm. almost creating this permanently online virtual world like something like Belle. What, what do you think about that? That, that something that is speculative, maybe on, on your part, is becoming reality mm. in other companies? Well, all of all of the issues that I've mentioned that we have with the internet, the the trolling, the fake news, the le loss of uh, political neutrality, they're all linked to Facebook. And some people say that that's that's the reason they've changed their name to Meta. Um, I think the metaverse is a is a global trend right now, but I think we've always had two worlds we've always had reality and the online world and for a while now we've been living in both uh, at some point that that change happened and older people will say that the online world is is all made up and this reality is what's true but they're actually both real um, and i think that's become clearer to us with the metaverse um, and i think that bell is a film that shows that there are these two realities Something that I'm fascinated with the, throughout our podcast, whichever filmmaker we're talking about, is the process of storytelling, the, like that creative writing. And there's a lovely moment in Bell where Suzu is walking along the riverbank, writing a song, and the film kind of goes into a trance-like state. Is that the feeling you get when you write? Do you have to enter that trance? What's that process for you? I think so, yes. Uh, that is pretty much how I came up with the idea for this film, is, is how Suzu comes up with that song. Um, I wrote Belle on a plane. Um, I, I'd been in Nagasaki, and right before I got the flight back to Tokyo, I had this idea. And I started writing, and then I was writing in notes on my iPhone on the plane the whole way, ho whole way home. Uh, it was about an hour and a half flight. By the time I got to Haneda, I had a story. Um, but yes, I was in, in a trance the whole time. Uh, but this idea had suddenly come to me. So it's, it's very close to the way that you see Suzu composing that song. Um, it could be because I'd already had a bunch of bad ideas and disposed, discarded those that this one really worked. Um, but yes, an hour and a half later, I, I had the story for Belle. When you say you, ha you had the story for Belle, what, what intrigues us about your films is they have these multiple layers. So you could say Belle is the story of Suzu finding her singing voice. You could say that it's also about the online world. And then you could say it's about the mystery about who is the beast. And so when you say you had the story for Belle, did you have all those parts or was it one constituent part that then developed? Yeah, 
I wrote all of that in the play. そうですね。まあ、もともとまあ、愛、liked I've always thought about how to to depict that. Uh, and now making films, I always think I want to be on the side of the those animals and creatures that humans don't tend to like, the wolves and the whales and the beasts. Um, anything that, that people tend to despise, I want to support and be on their side and say, these guys aren't bad. Um, I think people can be arrogant, tend to think that we're the center of the universe uh, and look down on others. Um, and I don't think that's right as, as a person myself. Um, so I like to try and support those non-human uh, other creatures that, that we tend to make fun of or think are ugly. You mentioned whales just then. Uh, Michael and I are big fans of the Beatles and in Summer Wars the two whales are called John and Yoko what's your relationship to the Beatles? <laughs> I didn't think about calling the whales John and Paul but then they would be two boys so that's why I went for John and Yoko but the Beatles are a global phenomenon and I think that's why I, I chose the names because everyone knows that, that John is going to be John Lennon um, I don't know if the whales sing the Beatles songs, but that's why I think I named them after this famous couple because they are known worldwide and Oz is a, a global um, a global world. So, um, of, co- of course, I'm also a Beatles fan, of course. I think it was in an interview for Summer Wars where I read that some inspiration for names came from a karaoke bar playlist. Mm-hmm. And karaoke... Is also something that recurs in your films. In The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, it's something that we would use time travel in order to go and experience again and again and again as much as we wanted. In Belle, it's something that is the cause of great anxiety for Suzu when she's presented with all the microphones at once. What's your relationship with karaoke? Are you a singer or not? <laughs> yes, when I, when I was looking for a title for Summer Wars, I did go through the, go through the song list in a karaoke box just looking for ideas. Um, I'm not someone who really feels the need to go to karaoke personally, but when I do go, I find the karaoke box a very interesting place Um, because, you know, you'll go with people you know and you think you know them, but when they choose a song and they start singing, they become a different person. So somewhat you could be impressed by someone making a really good selection or someone who you thought of as quite cool might make a bad choice of song. And you think, what, why? Um, 
And so you really learn about people by going to karaoke with them because you see a, a totally different side to the one that they tend to want to show uh, in everyday life. Um, I think it's really interesting the way karaoke reveals what some people try to hide about themselves. But and I, I, yeah, I do think karaoke is fascinating. How about you? Absolute nightmare. <laughs> I'm not a singer at all. <laughs> だ、本当にね、カラオケで歌うときは曲のチョイスには本当注意した方がいい。もうすごいダサいって思えちゃうから。下手なものを選ぶとね。You really need to take care when you're choosing your song. You can make there are bad choices to be made. Something along with karaoke that we see a few times in your films that I I suppose a bit broader as an idea is this recurring image of clouds like these these enormous clouds that fill up the center of the screen we see that in the girl who left through time and wolf children as well what is it about these clouds that you just keep coming back to there are two meanings uh, behind the clouds the first is that all my films are released in summer and those clouds those Cumulonimbus clouds are ones that you only see in summer in Japan, and so anyone watching that in Japan will get a feeling of, of will, will know that it's, it's summer. Uh, the, other, the other meaning is that those clouds grow, uh, and they kind of grow uh, alongside the protagonist in the film. Well, what would a, a winter film of yours look or feel like then, differently to a, a film that comes out in summer? If I were to re release a film in winter, it would be a film set in winter. Um, I, I like the experience of a film to be close to reality. So for me, watching a, a film set in the winter in the summer is weird. Um, if you watch a, a summer film in the summer, you leave the cinema and you're still in the world of the film because it's still summer. Um, I think that the experience you go on to have once you leave the cinema is all part of the experience of the film. So who you're with, what, what you eat afterwards, um, even down to the season and the weather. And nowadays, we watch a lot of films online on streaming services, and that's not an experience. That's just a way of passing time. Um, but if you go to the cinema, the whole experience that you have that day is dictated by the film that you've seen, including the season. And <laughs> yeah, Belle is a summer film. In the UK, it's being released in February, <laughs> uh, which is a shame. So uh, I want everyone to imagine that it's summer. <laughs> so uh, when this podcast began, as Michael said, it was all about the films of Studio Ghibli, and we've gone on a big journey since then. But the great discovery for me in watching all of their films were the films of Isao Takahata, who I didn't really know anything about, and he's become an incredibly important director for me. What's your relationship to his films? I love Isao Takahata's work as well. Um, my my favorite TV anime is actually Anne of Green Gables. Um, which he directed in 1979. Um, and I actually worked for Ghibli uh, for a while, 20 years ago, and I was the director on Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, and back then, 
Takahata-san gave me a lot of advice. Um, what with one thing another and another, uh, I ended up um, not directing the film and, and, and Miyazaki-san took over. But I remember all the advice that Takahata-san gave me. Um, some of it didn't make sense. Like, he said, well, Howell is British, so you should make sure that his mouth moves in a British way. Uh, which I didn't really understand. He thought that the mouth, the way a mouth moves is, is a good way to, to show that someone is from the UK. Um, may, maybe he meant sort of minimal mouth movements? I'm not sure to this day. He was somewhat strange, Takata-san. <laughs> yeah. um, one question we like to ask all our guests on the podcast, we have found it so valuable, illuminating, inspiring to look at bodies of work, filmographies from filmmakers that we admire, Cartoon Saloon, Satoshi Kon and yourself, where we can see a director's arc evolving voice through those films and get a sense of their, their mood, their point of view and their artistry. Is there a filmmaker who strikes you, with a, who has a body of work for you that inspires you to this day? And it could be a live action filmmaker. We've not spoken about live action so far. Uh, there are two directors that spring to mind. Um, the first is Victor Arise, a Spanish director. Uh, I saw The Spirit of the Beehive uh, in 1988. Uh, as a student. It was made in 1973, but I saw it in 1988. And I thought it was amazing, this conceptual film. And that really inspired me to want to be a director. Um, all of it is only made three feature-length films, uh, The Spirit of the Beehive, Elsa and Dream of Light, and then um, some shorts. But even just seeing that one film, uh, I knew how good he was. Um, and then Akira Kurosawa, who's made a lot of films compared to Victor Arise, 30 or so. Um, but what's interesting about him is how his films change as he gets older. Um, and I'm particularly interested in the action films that he made in his 50s, um, like Yojimbo and Sanjuro, uh, because I think anyone who can make action films like that in their 50s has got uh, an incredible amount of energy. Um, and then in, in his 60s, he goes on to make more um, age-appropriate films. Um, but I think the director and the age of the director is something that, that really has an effect on, on, on their body of work. And I think I'm no different. So can we expect action films as you get older? <laughs> well, I'm 54 now, and I do think that maybe I should learn from Kurosawa and make a few action films. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, listeners. Thank you to Mamoru Hosoda for putting up with us, with our nerdy chat, all the questions that we'd written up in a very long list as we'd been watching his films as part of the Hosoda-thon. It was such a treat and such a great way to wrap up the miniseries. We want to say thank you to Andrew and Kerry at All the Anime, as well as Lisa and Almar at Fetch for helping set up that interview and donating 
their higgledy-piggledy hotel room for the purposes of recording it. And also a massive, massive shout out to Bethan Jones, the best in the business, for being our Japanese interpreter. And we might have heard from the man who made the films, but he's not getting the last word on them. There are still some people's opinions that we need to be getting to on this podcast. Isn't that right, Steph? Yeah, we want to hear from you, the listeners. Uh, You can tweet us, email us, your thoughts on Bell or on any other Hosoda movies. Uh, What's your favourite? What did you see in the cinema for the first time, maybe? Uh, What are your own personal rankings? I know we've done our our lists of our favourite Hosoda films. Um, So that will be coming next week, so you've still got time to get in an email to us, where we'll also be talking about some of Hosoda's early work, uh, some Digimon, some One Piece, some other anime specials that we'll be diving into as well there. And if you want to keep up with us between now and then, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter, where we're at Ghibliotech. And if you do want to email us some of your Hosoda thoughts, we are ghibli at little.studios.com. And we're on Instagram these days as well, where we're at ghibliotech.pod. And if you are one of those people who enjoys listening to your podcast on YouTube, you can now do that too. So feel free to flip over from whatever you're listening on right now and listen to us on YouTube instead. Um, And if you want to keep up with us individually, you can do that too. Uh, So Steph's over on Twitter at underscore Steph Watts. Michael is there at Michael J. Leader. And you can follow Jake at Jake H. Cunningham. Ghibliotech is a Little Dot Studios production. Our music is by Anthony Ng, and the show is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Harold McShill, and Steph Watts. It's so lovely to be talking with you on the release of Bell, and I know that is your latest film, but I'd love to go right back to the start and ask you what inspired you to become an animator. あの、この最新作のベルの話を今日できて嬉しく思います。が、せっかくなのでずっと昔の話から始めたいと思います。どうしてアニメーションに関わりたかったんですか? えっと、それはあの、自分があの、アニメーション映画作りに憧れましたえ、年齢的には小学校6年生、12歳の時ですかね。あの、銀河鉄道39年に公開されたんです。で、それを見て、あ、なんかアニメ監督って素晴らしいな。自分でもこんなような映画を作ってみたいなと思ったのがきっかけです。I've been obsessed with animation and making animation since I was about 12 years old. Uh, I saw um Ginga Tetsuda 39 and Lupin the Third uh, Castle of Cagliostro and thought that I would like to make something like that one day. Mm. And what was it when you said you wanted to make something like that one that one day? What was it that inspired you as a child? Was it the, the action, the adventure, the characters, the storytelling? What was it? 
このようなのをいつか作ってみたいと思わせたのは何でしょうかアドベンチャーなのかアクションなのかキャラクターなのかうーん何でしょうねまずやっぱ一つあるのがそれ両方とも映画だっていうことでしょうねテレビのアニメじゃなくてやっぱり映画館で見るアニメーション映画っていうものがすごくテレビよりも面白いと思ってそれはやっぱりそのアニメーションだけじゃなくて映画っていうものそのものがすごく面白い体験なんだっていうことを感じたからでしょうしそうですねあとやっぱりそのこれを作っている人たちっていうのはものすごく才能があるなってことを子供ながらに感じたんですねあのその時はねあの彼らが誰か知らないけども後にすごく素晴らしい監督だって分かるわけですからつまり林太郎監督と宮崎駿監督ですよねそれぞれが初めての映画だったですけどもそれがやっぱり自分がこの人たちはすごいんだっていうこれからも作品を次々作っていく監督なんだってことが分かったんですよ。I think the fact that they were both films was part of it. It was different to watching anime on TV, actually going to the cinema. It was more fun.、Um, and I really enjoyed that experience. I think、uh, I could recognize the, the talent of the directors even as a child.、Uh, I didn't know who they were at the time, but later on I discovered that it was Rinchiro and, and, and Miyazaki. And even then, I kind of knew that they were going to go on to, to make many more、uh, animated films. So, I suppose for many years you worked within the, the studio system working on television anime or、mm. short specials. It sounds there that working in feature animation was always inevitable for you. Is that the case? 監督はずっとスタジオで働いて、うん、テレビアニメとかショートを作られてたと思うんですけれども、うんうん、やっぱり最初から長編を狙ってたんですかうん、うん、そうですねあのずっと映画を作りたかったですよくねアニメーションの仕事をしてるとあなたは漫画家になりたかったんですかとかテレビをやりたかったんですかって言われるんですけどそれは全然ね実は思ったことないんですよやっぱ最初から映画だったですねそれはまあさっき挙げた2つの作品が映画だったってせいもあるしやっぱり中学生高校生と含めてやっぱ実写映画も含めてその映画に興味がありました映画で監督がそ,のそれぞれ独特な世界を描くっていうふうなことにあの憧れたので自分もやはりその映画館で見る映画を作ってみたいっていうことをずっと思っていました。だからこうスタジオに入って仕事をする時もあの、まあ、テレビの1話をやってても自分は映画を作っているつもりで作っていたんですよね。I'd always wanted to make a film.、Um, often when you work in anime, people ask, oh, did you want to, did you want to draw manga or did you want to work in TV? But I'd never even considered that. It was always about film for me, partly because of those two animations that I already mentioned, which were movies. And partly because I was just always interested in film, including live action film, even back when I was at school. Just the way that a director could create a unique world、uh, in their film. And I'd always wanted to make something that people would watch in a cinema.、Um, even when I was working for the studio, making TV animation, each episode for me was, was a film. And so we're talking to you. Just as Bell is being released in UK cinemas and it's part of a big international rollout of the film, how much now do you view yourselves as a filmmaker 
for the global community compared to the Japanese community. ちょうど今、ベルがイギリスで公開されていますが、世界中でも公開されている映画ですが、監督はどの程度、世界のためをグローバルな映画を作っているつもりでしょうか、どれどの程度、日本向けの映画を作っているつもりですか。あの僕はまああの自分の映画を作り始めてもう15年になりますけども、あの一番最初の時をかける少女の時は。あの自分たちが作った映画がまさか、えー、日本以外の国で上映されるとは思ってもいませんでしたで作った後にいきなりそのプサン映画祭に呼ばれて、えーまあ、2006年の話ですね、えー、すごく日本のアニメなんてそういう大きな映画祭で誰か見る人いるのかなと思ったらすごいたくさんの人が来て続けてさまざまなえー、世界中の映画祭に呼ばれていくことになりましたでそこで思ったのはやはりそのなんかこう日本人のためばっかりに作っているだけじゃこれからはいけないんじゃないか日本のアニメ好きのために作っているだけじゃいけないんじゃないかもっと自分の作品がもっとこう地球の裏側の人もなんか、あのー、こうやって見て楽しむ可能性があるとすれば。あのその人にも心を配って、えー、作品を作るべきじゃないかっていうふうに思ったんですねあのだからやっぱりその映画祭に呼ばれたっていうのがすごく大きな体験でそこからやっぱり日本人じゃなくだけじゃなくてたくさんの人が見てもちゃんと楽し,あちゃんと楽しめるようにすごくあの考えて作るようになりました。I started making my own films 15 years ago.、Uh, and when I made The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, I really had, I, I didn't imagine that it would be released in any country other than Japan. But then I was invited in 2006 to Pusan Film Festival. And at the time, I, it, it astonished me that there were people outside of Japan who would want to, to watch this film.、Um, But then I got invited to other film festivals in other countries, and I started to think that I couldn't just make these films for people in Japan and for Japanese fans, but that if there was a possibility that there were people on the other side of the world that wanted to watch these films, that I should bear them in mind、uh, as well.、Uh, and so being invited to film festivals was a very uh, significant um, thing because. It made me realize that I, that I should be making films that, that as many people as possible could enjoy.、Mm-hmm. Yes, certainly my experience seeing Wolf Children here at the London Film Festival, seeing、mm-hmm. Mirai at Cannes, which felt like a, a, a major breakthrough.、Mm-hmm. I suppose we also like, we're also very interested in these moments in filmmakers' careers where they go independent, where they strike out for themselves, particularly the setting up of Studio Chizu, which is a decade.なるほど。どうして、えー、このご自分のスタジオを作りたいと思ったんですか、その目標と、うん、それがもう10年後の今、達成できてますでしょうか。うん
っとね、どうしてスタジオ地図を作ったか2つの理由があります。1つはね、えっとまあ、僕はあのずっと大学を出てから、えー、っと東映動画っていうところに東映アニメーションっていうところに入ってそこから14年そのスタジオで仕事をしてそこから辞めて時をかける少女を作るのにマットハウスってところに行ったんですよ。でマットハウスで時をかける少女とサマーウォーズを作ったんだけどサマーウォーズを作り終えてからねマットハウスが潰れそうになったんだよね。あのすごく外国の資本に買収されてあの作品を作れるかどうか分かんないっていう状態になったそれで仕方なく自分たちのスタジオを作ってあの作品を作り続けることをあの考えなきゃいけないってことになった理由が一つであともう一つはあの僕自身がやっぱりその映画を作っていく上であのなんだろう,こうそれまでの,あのアニメ映画ってこうアニメ好きな人やなんかそういうものを喜ばすまあまあアニメ的なアニメ作品を作るだけじゃなくてもっとこうアニメに興味がない人やもっといろんな人たちに向けて作品を作るべきだっていうふうに思ったんですね。そのアニメーションの可能性がもっとこう要するに今までの範囲内での作品作りじゃなくてもっとそれを広げてあの今までアニメ見たことない人興味ない人もしくはアニメなんてバカバカしいと思っている人にとってもすごくいい作品を提供したい作りたいと思ってそのためにはあの今までのアニメの作り方じゃなくてもっと新しい考え方で作るべきじゃないかと思ってそのために。えー、自分たちの、えー、自分がじたちが自由になる自分たちの会社を作ったんです。There are two main reasons where, why、uh, we set up Studio Chizu. The first is that since leaving university, I worked for Toei Animation for 14 years. Then I left there to go to Madhouse to make、uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and Summer Wars. After making Summer Wars, Madhouse、uh, got into some trouble, almost、uh, was in danger of, of collapsing. And so I felt I needed to set up my own company in order to be able to carry on making films. That was the first reason. The second reason was that I didn't want to just make films for anime lovers or make anime like animes.、Um, I wanted to explore the possibilities that animation has and to broaden、uh, what we think of、uh, as animation and to, to make something that people who have never seen anime or who weren't interested in anime or who thought anime was silly,、uh, something for those people. And so we wanted to set up our own company to have the freedom to be able to, to bring that new concept to my work. So it's been, as you said, 15 years since The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. How do you see your films creatively and philosophically evolving in that period? How different are you as a filmmaker and storyteller now compared to how you were then? おっしゃる通り、時をかける少女を作ってから15年も経つんですけれども、監督のフィロソフィーと、監督の
模索風とか、うんえー、ストリーテイリングとかどのように変わってきてますかうんそうですねまあやっぱりその僕ね今まで一作ごとに目指してるのはやっぱりそのアニメーションっていう技法を使って今までに描かれなかった映画ができるんじゃないかっていうふうに思って作ってますあの実写映画の歴史ってねすごくたくさんの監督たちが年に何十本何百本何千本も世界で作られててそのまあ、まあ、いろんな人生の局面をさまざまな切り口で作ってると思うんですねところがアニメーション映画アニメーションを使った映画ってやっぱりあの今まで作られた数が少ないからまだ十分に試されてないだからひょっとしたらアニメーションの技法を使えばもっとあの今まで描かれなかった人生の局面が描けるんじゃないかと思って作ってるだから一本ごとにな,、まあ、なるべく今まであの描かれてこなかったようなものを作ろうと心がけてます例えば「狼子供の雨と雪」ってあのあの2人の狼奥男の子供を育てる女性の映画ですけどもそんな映画多分あの映画の、まあ、歴史上今まで一本もないっていうか一本も作られてないような作品だと思うんですよねだからそういうことに、まあ、チャレンジをしていくっていう一本ごとに新しいチャレンジをしていくっていうことによってだから時をかける少女から随分あのなんていうかなあの遠いところにたどり着いたなって思います、まあ、今回の「ベル」なんかもやはりそ,のそういったこうチャレンジ精神が、えー、この「ベル」って作品を作らせたんだと思います。What I aim to do with each film is to use the technology of animation to make something new.、Um, the history of live action films sees numerous directors making tens and hundreds of films each year,、uh, and the, they cover a whole range of different lives and different perspectives. But there have been much fewer animation. Uh, animated films over the years. And so I really feel like it, we haven't fully tested its limits yet. I think that this technology、um, or this, this technique can be used to show sides of life that we've never seen on film before.、Uh, and that's what I try to do each time is to show, to do something that we haven't been able to do in the past.、Uh, I tried to do that with Wolf Children. With the film of a, a woman bringing up two wolf children, which I'd never seen before. And with each new film, I like to take on a new challenge that started with The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, and, and that's what、uh, prompted me to make Belle as well. That makes me think of something that we've, we've spoken about as we watch all of your films. You do bring in collaborators. Who will infuse the film, whether that is a costume designer who works in live action or in fashion to、mm. design costumes for wolf children, or all the way to Belle with Cartoon Saloon or、um, Disney character designers as well. I think you've described it before as ensemble filmmaking. I'm not sure what the Japanese term would be for that, but is that important to you and why is it important you to bring in these collaborators?、Mm. Uh, 多いと思うんですけれども例えば狼子供ではあのファッションの方とかがコスチュームのデザイン衣装のデザインをしてたと思うんですで今回はカートゥーンサルーンとかディズニーのキャラクターデザイナーとかとコラボレートされたと思うんですけれども監督ご,本人ご自身が
アンサンブルで作ってるっていう言葉を使われてると思うんですけれども、うんうん、こういうコラボレーションは大事ですかどうして重要視されてますか、うん、そうですねこれもやっぱりそのなるべくその今までのアニメーションの枠内で作るんじゃなくてその枠を飛び出してもっとそのアニメーション作りの可能性を広げたいと思ってるからなんですね。あの結構やっぱりその実写のスタイリストの人とか、まあ、実写の美術監督の人にあのずっと長年こうスタイリングや美術をお願いしてますし今回だったらカートゥーンサロンや、まあ、ディズニーのジン・キムさんなんかやってすごくやっぱりその日本は日本人だけで作るんじゃなくてもっとこうすごくグローバルなあの世界の中で、まあ、やっぱりその作品作りに必要な。人にお願いして作っていくっていうようなことをやることによってこう作品の可能性っていうのを広げていきたいと思ってるんですよ。あのだからやっぱりそれはそのあのそのぐらいこうなんていうかこう一つこうあのまあなんかちっちゃくまとまりたくないっていうかもっとあのやっぱりアニメーションっていうのはこういうことができるこういう可能性があるっていうようなことを示したいから。なんですねあのーまあ、ディズニーって例えば例えばディズニーってどれだけ世界中の才能を集めたにしても結局アメリカ映画でまあ別に批判じゃないんだけど結局アメリカ映画で結局その、まあ、ディズニーライクに作んなきゃいけないっていう制約があってそこからなんかそういう息苦しさってあると思うんだけど僕らインディペンドなとだからなるべくそこからこう自由でやりたいっていうか一種の。あのもっといろんな可能性を試したいっていうふうに思ってるんですねそれがやっぱり僕らの強みじゃないかなっていう、まあ、別にディズニーと比べることはないですよね<笑>別に比べてライブの意識があるわけでもないけど<笑>別にそこまで訳さなくてもいいかもしれない<笑>なんだろう分かんない<笑>まあ別にそうそうディズニーとに対抗意識があるわけじゃないしただ自分は自分たちの作品を作っているっていうことですね I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we're a rival to Disney I'm just saying we're, we're trying to do our own thing Something that I'm really fascinated by between Bell and in particular Summer Wars is your thoughts on the internet it's so important to all of us but it's barely ever represented on screen in Summer Wars you imagine the internet as a kind of utopian space that gets spoiled 
but in Bell, it's perhaps a, a harsher space where there are a lot more maybe negative comments and people are more reactionary. What are your thoughts about the internet and how it's changed from, I suppose, the infancy of social media around Summer Wars、mm. to where it is now? ベルとサマーウォーズを見ますとインターネットを舞台に監督はされていると思うんですけれどもインターネットはなかなかあのこうやって映画に出ていないと思うんですけれども例えばサマーウォーズで,ので見るインターネットの世界はユートピアのようなものでだんだんとちょっとあのダメになりそうなもの存在なんですけどベルではもうちょっとこう厳しい世界になってきていてもう少しこうネガティブな側面もあの描写されていると思うんですけれども監督ご自身の,このインターネットについての考え方はどのように変わってきてますか、うんうんあのーまあ、僕はそのサモーズのさらに前のえと2000年に「デジモン・アドベンチャー僕らのウォーゲーム」っていう作品をインターネットを舞台にして作ってて。あの20年インターネットを舞台に作品を作ってるんですよねインターネットの歴史が25年しかないのにそのうちの20年インターネットの舞台に作品を作ってるのは多分世界中で僕だけだと思うんですけどやはりその昔はねやっぱりインターネットって希望にあふれてたんですよやっぱりそのあのあこういう新しいインターネットっていうものを使って若い人たちがあの世界を変えていくだろうっていうそういう希望にに満ちたた感じで作作品を作ったところがね20年経って今っていうのはあのすごく現実とインターネットの世界が限りなく近づいた時代だと思うんですねだからすごくあのインターネットの中の、えー、と誹謗中傷の問題やフェイクニュースの問題や政治的中立性をね、まあ、失ってるっていう問題とかさまざまな要は人間の世界人間の現実世界で起こってる問題がそのままもっとこうインターネットの世界ではさらにこうなんていうか大きくクローズアップされるというか人間の問題がよりそのインターネットの世界の中でこうはっきりと浮かび上がるような世界になってしまったと思うんですでじゃあその中で希望がもう20年前のように希望がなくなってしまったかっていうと僕はそうじゃないと思うあのやはりこのベルみたいないろんなインターネットの問題を描きながらもそれでもやっぱり希望があるんだ若い人にとってはやっぱりあのこれからインターネットとともに若い人が生きていく世界の中でやっぱり彼らががに希望を持ってあの可能性を自分の可能性を信じて生きてほしいなって思うんですそういう願いを込めてこの「ベル」っていうのを作ったんですねだから割と、えー、ポジティブな映画になっていると思いますよ。Well, even before Summer Wars,、uh, I made、uh, Digimon Adventure, our war game in 2000, and that was based on the internet.、Um, so I've been making films about the internet for 20 years now. Even though the internet's only been around for 25 years or so, I don't know, I can't think of any other directors who've been making films about the internet for 20 years. Back then, the internet was full of hope. It was a, a tool that young people were going to use to change the world. But 20 years on, I think reality and the online world have come much closer together.、Um, all these problems that we see online fake news,、um, slander, political, a loss of political neutrality、um, they've all, all the real world problems somehow come into relief on the internet. And does that, does that mean that that hope that we had 20 years ago has gone?
Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think that it's still a place of hope for young people and they're going to have to live with with, um, the internet. Um, And so I want them to still have hope and believe in their own potential um, and I wanted to make a film that would encourage them. So it's a, a positive. It is a positive film. I find it very fascinating. So we first saw Belle in October 2021 at the London Film Festival, mm. and merely weeks after Facebook announced the metaverse, they're going to go meta. Mm. Almost creating this permanently online virtual world, like something like Belle. What What do you think about that? That. that something that is speculative, maybe on, on your part, is becoming reality in other companies. ま、私たちがこう初めてベルを見たのはロンドン映画祭の21年の10月ですけれども、ちょうどその後、Facebook がメタバースを発表したんですよね。監督がベルで見込んでたものというか予測してたものがもう実現したようなもので、どう思われます
writing a song and the film kind of goes into a trance-like state. Is that the feeling you get when you write? Do you have to enter that trance? What's that process for you?あの、ついたらその物語ができてたって。それまで夢中になって書いてました。だからそういう風にして突然何かこう降ってくるっていうかね。突然湧き上がるように書き出すっていうのがあるんです。あの、それとあのシーンってすごい近いと思いますね。まあ、
野獣は誰かというストーリーでもあるんですけれども、うんそ,ねうん、そのパーツは全部そこで揃ってたんですかそれともそのどっちかの一つがそこでできてたんですか、うん、いやえー、っとね今の話全部がその,あの飛行機の中で書いたことですね。I wrote all of that in the plane. <笑><笑><笑>ダメかな、いくつの方が良かったかな。Maybe I should go one at a time。そう、だから最初から有機的にその三つの話と結びついてたんですよね。No, I,、uh, I was bold. I tried to tie all those elements together from the start. <笑> And it works wonderfully well. Having now seen the film twice as we both have, it's just perfect.、Um, but mentioning the beast, watching your films. Sequentially, as a body of work, you return to the metaphor, the image of the beast, be that wolf children, boy and the beast, and the beast in here. What does the beast represent to you, and what is the power that makes you return to it? でも本当によくできていると思います。私たちはもう2回見てるんですけれども。で、あの今回もこの野獣という存在があって。前も化け物の子でも野獣的な存在が登場するし狼子供でもそのようなものが存在するんですけれども監督にとってこの野獣的な存在ビースト的な存在はどこが魅力的でしたかどうして使いたがるんですかそうですねもともとまあその小さい時から美女と野獣って話が面白いなと思ってたんですね。その要するにその価値観が逆転する話だと思うんですよ美女と野獣って話はね、えー、と美しいものは実は醜い醜いと思ってたものは実は美しいみたいに価値が逆転するところがこの話の面白いところだと思っててつまりそういうものを、あのー、こうどういうふうに描くかってことを、あのー、考えてました。そしてややっっぱぱ思うのはやっぱ自分でもこう、まあ、今までいろんな作品作っていきながら思うのはどっちかっていうと僕はやっぱりその人間よりはそのまあ動物側の方に見方をしたくなるっていうオオカミとか、まあ、クジラとか化け物とか、えー、野獣とかっていうような結構人間から嫌われたりねあのしてるようなものになんかこうなんか肩入れしたくなるんですよね。そちらの方はになんか側について決してこの人たち悪くないよってこう言いたい気持ちになるあのまあなんかやっぱりそれはなんか人間がとてもやはりそのまあ傲慢で自分が世界の中心でなんていうかまあ人間以外のものを見下してえまあなんかそういうまあいい気になっているところが自分も同じ人間として許せないっていうところがあるからだと思うんですけどもだからまあきっとそういうあのそういう人間じゃないものっていうかな、まあまあ、もしくはなんかこうバカにされてたり醜いって言われてるものをなんかやっぱり応援したくなる気持ちがあるんじゃないかなと思います。うん I... Liked the story of Beauty and the Beast as a child. I found it really interesting the way it overturns our values, and what we think is beautiful turns out to be ugly, and what we see as ugly turns out to be beautiful. And I've always thought about how to, to depict that.、Uh, and now making films, I always think I want to be on the side of the, those animals and creatures that humans don't tend to like. 
the wolves and the whales and the beasts. Um, anything that, that people tend to despise, I want to support and be on their side and say, these guys aren't bad. Um, I think people can be arrogant, tend to think that we're the centre of the universe and look down on others. Um, and I don't think that's right as, as a person myself. Um, so I like to try and support those non-human uh, other creatures that, that we tend to make fun of or think are ugly. You mentioned whales just then. Uh, Michael and I are big fans of the Beatles. And in Summer Wars, the two whales are called John and Yoko. What's your relationship to the Beatles? え、ビートルズとどんな関係ですか やっぱりもう、ま、世界的にすごく有名なカップルをあの、を象徴した名前をつけたのはやっぱりその割とこその、ま、オズって世界のグローバルな世界なんだってことを言いたかったからだと思うんですね。僕もすごいもちろん当然
なんていうのかなこうカラオケに行くとなんかすごく僕カラオケボックスはでも面白い空間だと思うのがその普段こうやって付き合っててその一緒にみんなでわーっとカラオケボックス行くじゃないですか。でそのこの人はこういう人だって分かってるつもりの人なんだけどその人が歌い始めた瞬間あこの人ってこんな曲の選曲をしてこんな歌い方をするんだって思うと全然別人に見えるんですよ。あのすごくセンスがいいなって思う時もあればすごくセンスがいいなって思ってた人がすごく選曲によってこの人ダサいなって思ったりすることとかたくさんあってそういう意味では人間性がねあらわになるんですよね。あのずっとこう社会に見せてるその人の側面と違うものが見えてくるっていうだからそれがカラオケボックスってすごい面白いところですよその人が何を歌うかでその人がの人間性がバレちゃうっていうかもう隠しさえたものが開いちゃうっていうすごい空間ですよねカラオケボックスって<笑>そう思いません<笑> yes, when I... When I was looking for a title for Summer Wars, I did go through the, go through the song list in a karaoke box, just looking for ideas.、Um, I'm not someone who really feels the need to go to karaoke personally, but when I do go, I find the karaoke box a very interesting place、um, because you know, you'll go with people you know and you think you know them, but when they choose a song and they start singing, they become a different person. So, Somewhat make, well, you could be impressed by someone making a really good selection, or someone who you thought of as quite cool might make a bad choice of song. <laughs> and you think, what, why?、Um, and so you really learn about people by going to karaoke with them because you see a, a totally different side to the one that they tend to want to show、uh, in everyday life.、Um, I think. It's really interesting the way karaoke reveals what some people try to hide about themselves. But and I, I, yeah, I do think karaoke is fascinating. How about you? Absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a singer at all. It's not a nightmare. I'm not a singer at all. 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 <laughs> you can make, they're all bad choices to be made. <laughs> Something along with karaoke that we see a few times in your films that I, I, I suppose a bit broader as an idea is this recurring image of clouds, like these, these enormous clouds that fill up the center of the screen. We see that in The Girl Who Let Through Time and Wolf Children as well. What is it about these clouds that you just keep coming back to? もう一つよく監督の映画で現れるのは雲です、うん、この大きなこう画面中を、うんえー、まとう雲ですけれども狼子供でも、うん、時をかける少女でも、うんえー、出ますけれども、うん、どういうい意味ですか、うん、これもやっぱりね二つ意味があってあの一つはね僕の映画はほぼ夏に公開されるほぼっていうか全部ですね夏に公開されて。あの映画に出てくる雲ってねあの日本では夏にしか出てこない雲なんですよ入道雲積乱雲っつってまあその夏にしか見えない雲なんですねだからあ,あ,のあの雲を見るとこの,この季節は夏だってことが、まあ、大事でも分かるっていうことですねでもう一つの理由はその
そのあの入道雲っていうのはすごくこう成長していくんですねこうぐーっと大きくなっていくってことでそのことと主人公がなんかこう成長するっていうことと重ね合わせてるそうだね積難雲とか入道雲って英語だと何て言うんでしょうね There are two meanings、uh, behind the clouds. The first is that all my films are released in summer. And those clouds, those cumulonimbus clouds, are ones that you only see in summer in Japan. And so anyone watching that in Japan will get a feeling of, of will, will know that it's, it's summer.、Uh, the, other, the other meaning is that those clouds grow、uh, and they kind of grow.、Uh, あのこれねやっぱりその映画ってその,その体験することとその現実っていうのが近い状態で見た方がいいと思うんですねその真夏なのに真冬の映画を見るとなんかこうちょっと感覚がおかしなことになっちゃうでやっぱり真夏だからこそ夏の映画を見るとやっぱりその後外に出てもなんか映画の世界がそのままついてるような気分になると思うんですよね。あの映画ってほらあのやっぱりそのなんかこう映画館を出た後も重要だしその後一体誰とどんな食事をするかも含めて映画の体験だと思うんですねだからそれがでその時にどんな季節であのどのぐらい暑いか寒いかってことも大事な体験だと思うあの今ってほら配信が多いじゃないですかネットフリックスとかであれ,あれは全然その体験にならないですよねただ時間が立ったったていうだけのことでも映画館で見る映画っていうのはやっぱりその,その日まあ、まあ、一日通して全てが映画に支配されるようなものだからやっぱり同じようにねやっぱ季節も合わせたいと思ってるんですよね。と言いながらあのこの「ベル」って夏にの映画だけどイギリスでは2月公開だから全然季節違うんでちょっとそれは辛いとこですけどね。まあでも夏その2月が夏だと思って体験してほしいですね。<笑>無理あるかな。If I were to release a film in winter, it would be a film set in winter.、Um, I, I like the experience of a film to be close to reality. So for me, watching a, a film set in the winter in the summer is weird.、Um, if you watch a, a summer film in the summer, you leave the cinema. And you're still in the world of the film because it's still summer.、Um, I think that the experience you go on to have once you leave the cinema is all part of the experience of the film. So, who you're with, what, what you eat afterwards,、um, even down to the season and the weather. And nowadays, we watch a lot of films online on streaming services, and that's not an experience. That's just a way of passing time.、Um, but if you go to the cinema, the whole experience that you have that day is dictated by the film that you've seen, including the season. And 
<laughs> yeah. Belle is a summer film. In the UK, it's being released in February, <laughs> uh, which is a shame. So uh, I want everyone to imagine that it's summer. <laughs> so uh, when this podcast began, as Michael said, it was all about the films of Studio Ghibli, and we've gone on a big journey since then. But the great discovery for me in watching all of their films were the films of Isao Takahata, who I didn't really know anything about, and he's become an incredibly important director for me. What's your relationship to his films? え、僕僕ね、あの、実はすべての日本のテレビアニメの中で最も好きなのが赤毛のワンっていう作品で、これはあの してくれてたのが高畑監督だったんです。ところがまあ、いろんな事情があって、僕はあの、春の奥城の監督を首になって、ま、代わりに宮崎さんがやることになったんだけども、でもまあ、やっぱりその高畑さんのあの、ま、い
one question we like to ask all our guests on the podcast. We have found it so valuable, illuminating, inspiring to look at bodies of work, filmographies from filmmakers that we admire, Cartoon Saloon, Satoshi Kon and yourself, where we can see a director's arc evolving voice through those films and get a sense of their their mood, their point of view and their artistry. Is there a filmmaker who strikes you, with a, who has a body of work for you that inspires you to this day? And it could be a live action filmmaker. We've not spoken about live action so far. え、監督をこうある監督を見るときはもうその監督の作品全体のこうフィルモグラフィー全体を見るのが好きですね。まあ、コンサートしたってカートゥンサルーンだってその同心化してきたその視点がどう変わってきたあの雰囲気などを味わ
uh, as a student. It was made in 1973, but I saw it in 1988. And I thought it was amazing, this conceptual film. And that really inspired me to want to be a director. Um, all of it is only made three feature-length films, uh, The Spirit of the Beehive, Elsa and Dream of Light, and then um, some shorts. But even just seeing that one film, uh, I knew how good he was. Um, and then Akira Kurosawa, who's made a lot of films compared to Victor Arise, 30 or so. Um, but what's interesting about him is how his films change as he gets older. Um, and I'm particularly interested in the action films that he made in his 50s, um, like Yojimbo and Sanjuro, uh, because I think anyone who can make action films like that in their 50s has got uh, an incredible amount of energy. Um, and then in, in his 60s, he goes on to make more um, age-appropriate films. Um, but I think the director and the age of the director something that, that really has an effect on, on, on their body of work and I think I'm no different. So can we expect action films as you get older? え、監督も年取っていくとアクションを作り始めますか。そう、だからまあ、やっぱりそう、今僕 well, I'm 54 now, and I do think that maybe I should learn from Kurosawa and make a few action films. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.